Welcome to the Enterprise Excellence Podcast, where our purpose is to help create a better future. Learn from our world's experts how to improve your organization sustainably. Learn how to achieve and sustain an excellence journey for yourself, others, and the planet. And I'm your host, Brad Jevons, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. We are proudly brought to you in association with SA Partners, a world-leading business transformation consultancy. SA Partners are a truly purposeful company focused on helping organisations achieve sustainable improvement for themselves, others and the planet. Welcome to episode 118 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. It is such a pleasure to have Julie Williams on the show with us today. Julie is the CEO of AIG Solutions. Julie has been learning and applying the ONO approach to excellence for many years. Julie is passionate about helping more organisations learn of these practices and help industry grow. Let's get into the episode. Julie, thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. I really appreciate you being on the show. Julie, what's your backstory? What led you down this path towards enterprise excellence and really getting involved in business and looking at the ONO method? Um, it was a little over probably 15 years ago. Um, our family business, um, it was mum and dad and three or four staff at the time when I joined the company 20 years ago. And when we grew to around about five to seven employees, I knew that I personally had no idea how to manufacture. And so I started to search outside of our business to to copy or to get the ideas to implement those systems and practices in our, in-house. Um, unfortunately, because we were a small company, maybe because I was a female um, leader and that sort of thing, I'm not quite sure, but the local businesses probably didn't have the, the time or the expertise or, or the knowledge to be able to help um, a small sort of up and coming business. So I then constantly searched, um, fortunately at the time state government did a pro edge course um, and I um, took um, my, I think my father and myself did that course um, up at um, Maryborough and that's when we did sort of like the five day intensive of what was lean manufacturing. So from that, um, I just knew I wanted to put that and embed that into our company. Um, we signed up to a certificate for in competitive manufacturing, um, Bob Carter and the Improve Group, um, different consultants really helped there. And we had, I think it was, you know, eight out of our 10 staff at the time all did the competitive manufacturing course over 12 month period. So we had our office um, team our production team, our maintenance team, et cetera, all involved. And it was critical that the leaders, so our family leadership, so I work with my, like at that point in time, my mum and my dad was still part of the business, my brother, um, my husband, and obviously external sort of like other team members. Um, and so we were all on that journey. Um, after that period of time, like I, I go from a lean office point of view, there's some great tips and, and hints and that sort of thing that really stuck. But I found that out in the production area, we weren't getting it to stick as much as I would like it unless I was driving those projects, etc. Um, so then Bob Carter suggested that um, the ANA organisation, um, they were doing tours to Japan. So he said, why don't I maybe go on a tent? So then I took my dad over to Japan because I thought, okay, if we're going to do this, I definitely needed the buy-in of the directors of the company. And it was actually at that trip that I, my eyes were sort of opened up even more because I'm sitting on a bus. We had 15 staff. 
the next smallest company was 400 employees up to 20,000 employees. And I felt like this absolute sort of fraud of like, I'm at a family company, you know, 15 employees in Australia. Most There was no one else. Oh, actually, there was another company from Australia there as well. But that's when I sort of got some insight, not only of Toyota, but it was probably some of the other companies that we were able to go and visit and understand and talk to their leadership team of how they implemented, um, you know, various tools and techniques and, and that sort of thing. So I remember being on the bus, actually. So it was Colin and Colin McLaughlin and June Nakamari, um, and they um, – I went there looking of how to do 5S or how to do um, visual management, how to do Kanban cards and or Kanban cards. or And I was really devastated for the first three days that no one was talking about 5S or no one was talking about these tools. And I'm going, I spent all this money and all this time coming to Japan and I'm not even going to talk about this. Like what is, I was like, and everyone on the bus was the same. We're all angry. And so... Then it took June time and Colin time to even educate us to go stop looking for the tools mm-hmm. and start looking at the leadership mindset, start looking at what is happening on the shop floor, start looking at how. And to be honest, I I still don't know how to look for that because it's the soft things um, of just going, what are, what was the behaviours of the team to know that it was like really an effective organization sort of thing so julie i love that description i'd have to say that's one of the best comments i've ever had on the podcast you know because so much of it is honed on those tools and techniques and just that story you spoke about of being in japan and not actually seeing the tools and techniques but then getting tuned on notes and mindset and behaviors that is gold um so we went um did the first one and then about i don't know five years later um we actually had um joe crowley who had originally worked for improve group he came and actually worked um with us for around about two years as well and he'd come from fonterra and his understanding in depthness of what it really is about he would then train me even further so then we went back and I was able to the second time look through his eyes and so that's when I was like oh okay it's so much and then the questions that he asked was such a higher quality questions of what I should have asked and what I was then trying to look for so from there um with the um like I guess the approach that June Nakamari from Anna organization and Colin um they actually got in contact with the guy, um, Sensei Yamada. So he was actually um, trained by Tahichi Ono or Tahichi Ono shared a lot of his manuscripts or, or the whole philosophy of how he began it and why. And he asked um, Sensei Yamada to actually go out into all different industries and to do that. And so his um, there's many different organisations, if people look, of who he actually helped and he perfected it even further but outside of the car manufacturing perspective and I know that he I believe um, he sort of like taught um, another six people so one of those guys was Sensei um, Mire and we actually had the privilege of hosting him here 
in Australia, I think it was around about five, six years ago, that I had June and also Sensei Mira here. And we've done roadshows where they come to Gympie, but it was an intensive one day that people learnt through doing, not just in a classroom. So did here in Brisbane and, and Sydney and the Sunshine Coast. And that was just completely different compared to what I'd ever seen before. And even going into lean businesses in Parramatta, Sydney, which like I walked in on those floors going, these are the most sophisticated. They've got five lean consultants that have worked with them for 20 years. What is Sensei like Mire going to do in one day? And what was uncovered in one day was just something that people were just like, we've never seen that before. So I knew at that point when the respect of other lean consultants here in Australia was just like, this is different, that I was like, okay, I want to keep on studying and learning this. So there's a couple of books that Colin and June have written with Sensei Mire and now Yamada, um, like it's called True Kaizen. Um, you can see on there like their annual organisation and that sort of thing. But, yeah, it's definitely um, the philosophy um, that we want to follow here. So I guess it's as true to um, what Tahiti Ono, um, I guess, started it out and has been developed by Yamada. Um, June has actually um, been able to study and learn from Yamada directly as well. And so um, he's also been part of our company. A couple of years ago, they came out here for quite a few months um, to actually help instill some of those practices and, and systems. But it was more the um, mindset um, in the leadership sort of perspective. Um, yeah, and a whole pile of different things that we've been doing. That's awesome. So, Julie, from the day dot where you went with your father, uh, well, got to know Bob and then went with your father over to Japan, I think that's such an amazing step. Like, I can imagine it would have been daunting being a smaller Australian company back then and then doing that. But, you know, you've had that insight so early on in your journey yeah. about the whole piece of mindset and leadership mindset and approach. Like, Julie, what would you say is the the key people that influence through that journey? Like, you've mentioned a few people, but what really stands out to you, those people that you'd recommend, hey, consider reaching out to this person or that person from someone that's influenced you? Um, probably the one person over the time um, would be June Nakamari. Like, his insights of not like they used to do like tours Japanese tours for like sort of 10 15 years and they would have like 20 to 30 tours a year and I think going to Japan and doing it and hosting those tours they really got to you know be in front of Yamada or or other Japanese like um, leaders and that sort of thing so they really um, understood but then because they, um, June grew up in America, he was very westernised, so he was able to combine the two together. And so then when he's been working with, and he works with some really large organisations around the world, um, when he works with us, um, I've been finding that the companies, um, compared to other, like, Lean consultants are amazing. Like everyone helps to transform organisations. I think it just depends on the organisations if they're really willing to do it or not and your leadership structure and, and your buying and that sort of thing. But with his, I've just found that the companies that we, you know, we work together or we, we speak to and that sort of thing, it seems to be sticking and they're getting really true transformational change where he can pull himself out 
and it keeps on going without him. So his intention is how do you do it that it sticks and then he leaves. And so then I um, hear about companies that he hasn't been there for like two to three years, yet they are still on their journey. And I was like, that's the company because I don't want to just be tied into a person and I rely on that. Like the company needs to evolve and, and your team needs to be searching and, you know, improving that sort of thing. Yeah, great advice, great advice. And with it, what would you say are the key elements of that? The, you know, the owner to Yamada to Rear to, oh, sorry, yeah, owner to Yamada to Mirai to June. Yeah. What are those key insights that you've gained through the learning, particularly on making it stick and in a way getting a, not honing on those tools and techniques? What are the key factors there that you've learned through that journey to apply to your organisation? Uh, I think it starts with mindset, the leadership mindset sort of thing. So you're senior leaders. So we need to actually lead by our own actions and we need to be motivating the entire workforce um, for engagement and that sort of thing. So it's got to start with us and we have to show up differently. Um, there's sometimes things that I do as a leader that people don't respect or they don't want to value or they don't want to follow. So that started with us to start off with. Um Obviously, um, innovation is so important. So we're focusing on our clients and, and looking at um, how do we engage, how do we understand what they want from a customer's perspective, always whether it's product services, education or partnering, like you've always got to be um, focused on your external customers or also internal customers. Like our team talks about internal customers to making sure that we are delivering what they need as quickly as possible and identifying those problems along the way. Um, you can use different tools and techniques to solve them, um, but constantly, relentlessly looking for that innovation. Um, obviously, you've got your management processes or your value streams and that sort of thing. So you're looking at your goals, um, but then you're also cascading them down throughout your, your company sort of thing. Um, looking at developing your next leaders. So I'm like, I always encourage my leaders to train a next group of leaders that are going to be better than them. And, you know, don't have an ego to try and keep yourself in that role, but try and work through your own mindset and your own ego to go, I want to create a leader that is going to be better than me. I'm going to trust the organisation that there's going to be another role for me within the business. But we need to then explore that further. So, um, and then the other piece that we're currently working on, which is the really fun bit, um, is the technology piece with information. So it's like, how do we have the information as quickly as possible at the end of the fingertips of whenever a person goes, I wish I knew this, or I want to know this. And so having you know, I guess the best system that synchronizes across all different functions, so whether it's sales or marketing or your engineering or your product development, building that system that no matter who is in the organization at whatever role they are in, if they want to ask themselves a question, we're able to like give them the ability to do that, or perhaps they're even able to create their own dashboards um, to be able to um, answer that question in order to you know, do innovation or, or make a decision to move forward sort of thing. So there's a lot of systems that are manual um, to start off with to make it visual, but then we're also 
starting to put them all into computers and that sort of thing. It was interesting seeing Toyota, they have visual manual boards still. Um, that is not all in a computer. And so I think in Australia, we've got a lot of things wrong by putting it all in the computer. Yeah, it loses and transparency, the, doesn't it? And the person on the shop floor or the person talking to the client, if they can't see that information, they have to make a phone call or wait for a leader or whatever, we've lost time. Like we cannot be competitive. Yeah, that's neat, Julie. And I, I sort of captured, Julie, as you are talking through it. I love it too, some of the things you've said because, and it pulls it together so well, you know, number one leadership mindset and really lead by action, lead by example, motivate, show up differently. Like in a way, I guess you're saying the leadership is that primary consultant, that primary piece leading the change, which is so cool. We, we were chatting a bit on that yes. before the podcast. Number two, innovation in a client-centric way, both internal customers and external. That's cool. Yeah. Number three, ID problems and innovation opportunities. So that constant seeking. Number four, goals and the cascade. Yeah. So that everyone's yeah. aligned to the goals and vision. And then number five, develop leaders in succession. Yeah, I love that one, Julie. Because I, I, you see so many of these excellence journeys where they can die rapidly if you don't have succession. Yeah. And then information at the end of people's fingertips when they need it just yes. made me think of Gwendolyn Gellsworth with her piece of um you know what do I need to know yes. and can I just get that instantly yeah do you mind Jill, if we explore a few of these like leadership and mindset what would you say is the critical behaviors and well I should say the critical attitude or mindset and behavior that you see that really helps the leader actually lead this out to a sustainable direction and ongoing, I should say. There are so many things when it comes to that. And I think it depends on what phase of your leadership journey you're on. Um, like I know currently, I think because our business is stepping up another level, I actually have to step up and probably communicate in a different way compared to, because I'm not available to, to my team as much as I used to be. Um, I believe... I wish I had the bang, 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 because it's not just one thing. No, I, um, I really hear it depends on where you're at. Like even just a simple thing is like say, like do what you say you're going to do. Mm. Um, it seems such a simple thing, but people lose respect if you, you know, don't turn up on time. If you like just do those simple things, which is actually sometimes really hard as a leader because we are juggling so many different things. Um Growing and developing your team, like seeing, I guess, the true potential of your team and going, how can we unlock that potential within our business? I know sometimes our business um, may not grow as fast or have the opportunities um, for people to to explore that. Um, I always say when I, um, you know, interview new people or, you know, most people are in the in the door before I get to, um, you know, do an induction and that sort of thing, they get to spend some time with me. I'm like, I want you to walk through that door and I want you to turn on your brain. We want a business that allows you to identify the problems, come up with solutions. I want you to do that. And I was like, I don't want you to ever stop seeing because you're not game to tell somebody what you're identifying as those problems. But the biggest challenge is how do we create that environment that even if someone's here for five years, they haven't stopped being allowed to to say whether things are okay or not. 
Um, so you can be confronting as a leader. Sometimes you think that you've got it all together and then mm. your business moves on or your team changes and, and, and you haven't got it right. So you have to then lead in a different way. Um, and, yeah. That really sounds to me, Julie, what you're saying in a way is you've got to really understand where you're going but also understand your employees and how do you do the right mindset and behaviours to help them grow, help them develop, help them achieve for the whole organisation. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. But it's interesting, you know, because it is a different mindset, isn't it, from the mindset of I want to go lean, I want to go on an excellence journey, okay, I'm going to hire someone to to do that for me versus the mindset of, okay, so what do I need to do? What am I going to do to help that eventuate yeah. and evolve? That is a different mindset. And I actually go, the businesses that are long-term getting the results is their leader said, I'm going to be part of this journey. I want to know, I want to learn, I want to grow. I'm going to get on the shop floor. I'm going to get wherever it needs to be, like constantly. And you might think your priority should be in strategy and in finance or market, like whatever those are, but it needs to be just as much, you know, doing this because you hear the problems. You can pivot. It's so powerful to um, to do that. So, yeah, I honestly, um, you need to engage external people to help and, and you know, you learn from learn them. Learn from them. Yeah. But if the if the top CEO and the top senior leaders like are not like the first people to do it, often a lot of companies will start with the shop four, will do the the cert or do the training. And I'm going, no, like you can do that at the same time, but your if your top leaders are not in that room learning and doing, I'm saying right now, I don't believe you'll get long term growth. So I know some some leaders might not like that and think that you know, it's not the right priority, but I swear the the results that you will get and the understanding and the respect, I think, from your team by showing up that way will be tenfold. Julie, uh, that's really insightful. Uh, I think it's awesome. I often get told that learning from the Japanese is pointless. Japan has a different culture to ours. I respect this view, but know that Japanese organisations learn from Americans, such as Edward Stemming and Peter Drucker. There is something to learn from any person or organisation doing and achieving great things. The key is to learn, reflect, and then improve in a way that is suitable for your organisation, your way of doing things. The Enterprise Excellence Podcast and Community has established many ways you can learn ongoing. We are providing support through our community and direct with organisations to help them reflect, learn and apply these areas of expertise in their own way. Go to enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com to connect and learn more. So the second one you mentioned was that whole client customer-centric innovation and both you mentioned internal and external customers with that. It sounds like another mindset type piece that you're really bringing into culture to get that centricity of internal external customers. Do you, do you mind explaining that from what you've experienced? So obviously, um, external clients, everyone is aware of that and you're trying to, you know, optimise that value stream or deliver the product or the service as quickly as possible or or customised or, 
the best customer journey or like whatever the particular business is wanting to do and you can identify you know your waste or the problems that happen and you can solve those things often what i find is if we're not looking internally um sometimes it's our cross-team communication or lack of communication or the inability to problem solve across teams that actually impacts the external client experience and so we've really probably flipped it to go okay what are we like you're still focusing and we're always going we're doing everything internally to focus on our external but when people start to realize that okay well what impact does this my decision have on somebody else have I cross-checked that or they might create something but takes them like less time but it's created extra work for somebody else so we're just constantly trying to do different things to enable teams to come in now unfortunately the last two years our sales team um, we have around about nine people that live externally um, to us and so we haven't been able to have the luxury of coming bringing them in quarterly and so we've had to do things remotely but I've also had brand new staff members join us and so I really found it's been really difficult to get that to happen so unless I was you know saying this zoom meeting is happening with these people and that sort of thing we've probably lost our ability to to improve the areas but it's been so great since February to be able to be allowed to do that and so yeah we're heavily um, trying to just work on those things internally yeah that's awesome that human connection you you can't beat it but that, I love the description of internal customers you know getting that flow between teams because it often can make or break can't it what what happens throughout the whole organization Julie you mentioned number three you mentioned was the ability for everyone to be able to identify problems and also innovation and I guess a lot of the inertia you're against there is us becoming attuned to our environment and not seeing things anymore what have you found has really helped helping the culture where we keep seeing problems we keep finding ways to innovate and improve um at different times um like it's critical to probably have your daily huddles like different teams within our business like are really strict with that and then sometimes some teams have have backed off so it's the teams that really continue to be strict with those huddles that they're identifying those problems of what's happened today or what's happened in that shift and how we're going to fix it for the next shift sort of thing and so um that's definitely so critical um, to be able to do that. Um, like obviously you can use different tools and that sort of thing to really try and work out what the root cause is. Um, we've used like even escal different escalation boards and that sort of thing, but I'm really trying to get the teams to identify their own problems and solve them. Um, when it gets more difficult, you can spend more time to do different methodologies and things like that to solve it. But um when like in just a simple board of just having a whiteboard marker and then they're writing down like numbers and then it, are they solving it or not at that particular you know loose supplement plant or at the lick block plant or in the marketing team so when i see that those, like there's 700 solved problems in a year on a particular station i'm going that's working good but then when i see another area that's only got 20 i'm going well we have forgotten how to see or there's more training that needs to be happen and that sort of thing so now our team doesn't necessarily um 
they're solving things without even probably writing them up on the boards as well, which is fine. Like you can do different suggestions and re rewards and recognition. So definitely people that have been here longer and now even new people coming in, we just solve them. But I think getting back some structure is always important to particularly for new people to go, okay, why are we doing this and how do we follow that? Yeah, that's neat. That's neat. I can really see that constancy, like 701 station. That's awesome. Yeah. Julie, with, with the, I'm guessing that's where number four comes in with that setting meaningful goals and aspirational goals and cascading them yeah. down. I'm guessing that connects to that, keeping that aspiration and that drive going forward to get better. Yeah. And at different times, the goals are different. Um, like, obviously, there's always sales or net profit or new products or, you know, innovation targets or, um, you know, different departments have different areas, but you're always looking at what it is from the overall company and then into your teams, but then cross team functions to see um, how it is. So whether you look at it from a quarterly basis and then monthly, and then we even have like daily targets now for our sale, like our income. So it's shared across our whole organisation that everybody on a daily basis is seeing, are we hitting today's target or not? And then um, what are we going to do about it in order to either hit the target by four o'clock today um, or what are we going to do from a marketing or a customer service or, you know, get someone else to make a phone call to actually help that or even the production team going, if we make an extra pallet, it's going to get on the truck so it won't get cancelled. And, yeah, so just um, that's... And that was when June came a couple of years ago. It's like you need to have daily targets. I was really, I was like, that's a little bit overkill and maybe I'm sharing too much information and, and all of that sort of thing. But honestly, each person knows, like each one of our sales team knows whether they've hit their target or not. But then the whole team knows how they can support individuals, but then also as overall company. Yeah, that's awesome, Julie. It's really impressive seeing that daily goal that's being targeted. That's that's awesome. Yeah. And often you you see in here that the shorter that interval of aspirational target, the more chance you got to adapt and get on track. That's awesome, Julie. The big one number five was the big one for me that you mentioned, which is develop leaders in succession. Like that is something that I don't hear too often in conversations on the podcast or elsewhere but I think myself I've experienced it how critical it is like what what have you learned and seen in that regard of the importance of developing leaders capability but then also succession planning for leaders I just know it's probably where we are as a company um I think where we are like a small company I've done pretty much every role maybe not the production ones but I've driven a forklift years and years ago um, but I just probably naturally, because I had children, I knew I had to learn a role, but then I was going to get someone else to do the role better than me because I couldn't be there day in, day out for that particular area. And so just naturally I did that. And then I have found that I've created team members. They weren't necessarily even team leaders that, that did that naturally. Um, I have had different leaders in my role that maybe they've come from other corporate roles or whatever where they want to keep their job and they want, you know, whether it's a security thing or if they if they think that they teach somebody else or delegate too much, that I'm going to be an organisation to go, I don't need you anymore. But as a growing organisation, there is always 
high level decision making or different roles or you know do like product development and even can be cross team functions to lead that but the art is how do you get people to be comfortable to develop leaders that are going to be better than them and i think if i think that's what the japanese have done very 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 well and i don't know in in our australian culture whether that's something that we've all I think we're probably quite a tall poppy syndrome that anyone that's a successful leader, you want to chop them down. But then I think a lot of people just try and hold on to their role and then they're not, you know, risk-taking, they're not problem-solving, they don't want to verbalise when things are not right or or that sort of thing. And then we lose the ability to innovate within our companies if people are just playing it safe. So Yeah, that is such a good good topic, you know, that whole safety humility and openness to basically develop others and develop your succession for yourself because it's so critical from what i've seen julie in this regard that you know i've seen excellence journeys just absolutely stall not necessarily die but absolutely stall through a number of leadership changes and, yeah. and then potentially no leadership succession so pull in someone from external and maybe there's some behaviours there that aren't really that good. So then a few other leaders and people leave and yeah. it can be a downward spiral so fast without rock solid succession planning yeah. in that open trusting environment that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Like I know my parents at times because I've never led a company. Um, like I did an education business degree. And other than that, I had no idea how to do business. Um but they've often at times thought another external CEO would be better or quicker or more experienced to do it. But I think with family companies, if there is a leader that wants to learn, wants to grow, wants to implement, wants to be challenged, it's like if we can support that leader um, in that place, um, I believe we're a stronger company because of that. Um, we definitely can like I think ideally is to be able to grow your leaders from within, um, but then you also can attract leaders in. But, yeah, that culture piece of um, how do they come into, like it's like the ag solutions way, like it takes time and energy and they might want to do it their way as well. So, it's yeah, it's combining um, everybody's sort of experience and, and expertise. But it's, yeah, at this point in time, um, I get the fortunate position of learning and growing to be our best CEO sort of thing. And, and hopefully in time there'll be people within or or maybe somebody um, externally can come in and continue to lead so that I can continue to do um, bigger projects within Ag Solutions. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's neat. Well, Julie, I, I really sense and I've known of Ag Solutions and what you've done and also in our conversation, you know, you've got that culture of constant learning. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's at the heart of it, isn't it? You can have the longest term employees yeah. and have amazing innovation if you've got constant learning, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you can't beat it. And that's really coming up in this episode. So thank yeah. you. Julie, the one thing that links to that is your point number six that you mentioned, which is having information at the fingertips of people that, I again, I mentioned that reflected on Gwendolyn Galsworth teachings of asking employees, you know, what do you need to know? What are the yeah. things you look for? Yeah. What are you finding with technology nowadays versus non-technology and trying to enable this so that people can just get what they need to know right when they need it? Yeah. Um, 
there is so much data and information around which is incredible for our businesses to be able to make decisions or be aware of things. Um, probably the biggest issue is the connectivity between systems, like they don't necessarily talk easily or it takes time or maybe one person is, a, is an expert in this but someone else might be wanting to know information but don't even know within your own organisations where to find that. So we're constantly going, what's your frustrations, What what's your wish list, what do you wish that you could find out and how can we you know do that within our system but how do we have it connected so that you know if and and two minutes or three minutes is too long if person Mm. if a person has an idea of going I wonder what that is if they don't know where to go to find it in that minute or if it takes you know two weeks to pull a report out or whatever next time they have that idea they're not going to be maybe bothered to go and ask a person to be able to help and so that was a really big thing of not only, you know, you can do your um, process mapping or value stream mapping and, and eliminate waste and that sort of thing of, of movement of stock and people, but it's actually the information piece of how long does it take to find something or how does, long does it take to see that, that it's, it's the hidden costs that is not visible that actually go our businesses really need to look at. And so that's where June is really helping us with that technology piece of getting it all and, yeah, having the open API and that sort of thing that anyone within the organisation, if a sales team wants to know something with production or, you know, customer service wants to know something with, um, you know, the R&D team, like obviously it's like working out what information needs to be made visible, but how do we do that um, faster and faster all the time yeah and break down the barriers between those information silos so that's neat so julie Julie, really appreciate the conversation on you know leadership number one leadership mindset and really leading by example innovation and with a client internal and external customer focus id problems and innovate every day goals and vision cascade develop leaders and succession planning and then have what people need to know constantly improved to have what people need to know right at their fingertips. It's awesome. So what would be your two minute enterprise excellence tip based on this area of learning that you've had by looking at the ONO model and right the way through to June? I think the biggest challenge, which it's, it might be idealistic a little bit, but it's like, I truly believe that people have been placed on this earth for such a short amount of time, but can we create an environment in our businesses that we are able to, I guess, unlock that true potential of what they're capable of doing? And sometimes they don't even know what that is. But it's like if we can truly create that environment that people are learning and growing and contributing and feel like they're of value and, you know, that we are going to have such thriving, growing businesses that, it's going to be like amazing to turn up to work sort of thing. So for me, um, when I was challenged that and keeps questioning and in the back of my head is just going, how do you unlock people's like true potential within your business or their purpose sort of thing? And it might not be the doing the role that they're currently doing, but they've got a passion or expertise in another area that if we just pivoted them and gave them the opportunity to to do that 
we would be blown away. But sometimes we pigeonhole people in the wrong roles um, or just just didn't enable them or, or allow them to actually share sort of thing. So, yeah, but it's the leaders. The leaders are the ones that are capable of having engaged, excited, passionate people or disengaged people that want to leave or just can't be bothered to identify problems. But I truly believe like 99.9% of people that walk into our business in the very beginning are great people that want to make a great difference. And we just along the way as leaders um, don't show up the best way in order to truly allow them to do that. And that's a tough thing because you can blame your employees but it's not if if our culture and, and our teams are not working well, it's it's us as the leaders. We've got to. That's, that's a cracking leadership mindset, Julie. That's that's gold. I love the bit too. Like if you think of it, each human's time on this planet is so short. It's yeah, yeah. Maybe we don't realise it when we're twenty. I know. Or even ten. But uh, yeah, that is awesome. That and, comment and you some, made, that first yeah. piece. Sometimes, like, our business is not the place that they can do that. And I've often had, I've sometimes had conversations going, are you happy here? Like, what are you really excited about? Like, what do you want to do? And just even helping them transition to an organisation to do that. I was like, that's what we should be doing as leaders. And so, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Julie, what's been a recent learning or recent insight for you in, in your journey so far? Um, I don't even know. <laughs> I was like, what's the, I've covered lots. You have. I don't know, just one insight. A recent learning. A recent learning. A recent learning is probably that my team is so far more capable of doing what, like I could only dream of doing I just have to show up differently in order to for that to happen um I believe that I've been holding back my team and holding back the company and I might blame other people at different times um but a personal I guess reflection and mindset that I need to change so yeah that's what I'm focusing on in order um yeah hopefully I continue to do that. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the next sort of two to five years at Ag Solutions takes us. But, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, Julie. That's awesome. Links to the uh, the whole two-minute tip. How often is it? You know, I've had that so many times in my life where you have this aha moment that connects to everything that you're driving for. It's continuous yep. improvement, isn't it? I love it. It is. <laughs> well, Julie, how can, how can people reach out to you or, or get in touch if they want to connect or know more? Mm-hmm. Or maybe integrate in with June next time he's out and that type yeah. of thing. Um, I'm hoping now that the borders are open that June's going to be able to come to Australia. So whether he'll be here later this year or early next year, I definitely know it's going to be in the next six months. Um, so previously in the past when he comes, um, we open up our doors, people can come and learn or, or we might do nighttime conferences and that sort of thing. So I think, Brad, we were maybe looking at doing something in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, for the first time, obviously, He's only here for such a short amount of time, like for probably one week. So, yeah, definitely happy to probably organise something um, for for your clients or, or just people that are just generally passionate about lean. Um, but, yeah, if you um, 
My email is julie.williams at agsolutions.com.au or just pop onto our website, agsolutions.com.au. Um, and, yeah, I'm always, um, you know, open to for people to come and have a look at what we do or even just share and that sort of thing. I definitely am passionate about, yeah, lean or true Kaizen. Um, I, I do believe that, um, like, for Ag Solutions, it's not only growing our company, but I really want to have it as an opportunity that people can come and see, like, our business and learn and model and go back and do it in your business. So um, that's definitely a focus of what we've always done um, and happy to share um, insights. And, and I love getting in other people's businesses too. So I think if we can have that openness, I know that there's competitors and that sort of thing, but Honestly, there's so many clients that need all of our help. I never see any anyone as a direct competitor because we're all doing our own things. So, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Julie, it's really great to see you focus on helping others experience what you experienced when you connected with Bob and then also connected to go to Japan. Yeah. You know, you saw those leadership behaviours and those leadership mindsets in play, which helped influence you. And it's so cool that you're opening you're doing what you're doing to help others see and learn those mindsets also. So Julie, thank you so much for everything you have done and everything you'll continue to do to help us create a better future. And thanks so much for being on the show with us today. It's been great. Thank you. Hopefully somebody else has got some ideas or or things that they can implement into their own business. It's neat. Thanks, Julie. Bye for now. See you later. I often get told that learning from the Japanese is pointless. Japan has a different culture to ours. I respect this view, but know that Japanese organizations learn from Americans, such as Edward Stemming and Peter Drucker. There is something to learn from any person or organization doing and achieving great things. The key is to learn, reflect, and then improve in a way that is suitable for your organization, your way of doing things. The Enterprise Excellence Podcast and Community has established many ways you can learn ongoing. We are providing support through our community and direct with organizations to help them reflect, learn, and apply these areas of expertise in their own way. Go to enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com to connect and learn more. Please like, subscribe, and share this podcast to help others learn and create a better future. There were two key takeaways for me from this episode. Firstly, the power of going and seeing to learn directly. Nothing beats walking the floor of an organization that is doing something great. Seeing for yourself, talking to those that have already been through the journey, and then taking this knowledge and applying it in your way to help your organization improve is amazing. Seeing is believing, as the saying goes. The second key takeaway for me is constancy. Julie and her team have been working on their excellence journey for many years. They've had their ups and their downs. The real learning for me is the fact that they have stuck with it continued to learn, adapt in a way that suits them and will continue to into the future. The only way you fail in an excellence journey or transformation is if your people stop learning and adapting, if they give up and go back to old habits. Thanks again for your time and energy, Julie. Thanks for helping us create a better future. Bye for now.